Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 47 of Season 5 of Move Your Minute, the daily podcast, where we yippee-ki our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action flick Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Jim O'Kane from a whole bunch of different things. So I, I'll let him tell you where they are. Welcome back, Jim. Howdy, Rob. Uh, every, yeah, no, I'm from... Pretty much everywhere, mostly movies by minutes. But if uh, you can, you can find all my stuff out there, out there somewhere. But but go to, yeah, go go to moviesbyminutes.com and you can you can track me down. And if you can't find me, there's a bunch of other things you can listen to while you're there. Yeah, that's true. Also, all right. So minute forty-seven begins with John continuing to shoot back and ends with Sheldon landing on his back. So yesterday we 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 basically had a minute with no dialogue. This time we have. Minimal dialogue, <laughs> which is mostly yeah. swearing, but you know we'll, we'll we'll deal with that. You know that that's what edit that's what beeping beeping things out is is all for. So yeah, you know we're we're still in the middle of this this firefight. You know uh, what happened on Friday was the the, the SWAT guys were ambushed yesterday. Uh, they the the bad guys finished off the SWAT guys, and as they were about to kill Barnes, as O'Reilly was about to kill Barnes, uh, surprisingly. John, you know, uh, came out of the the tuna can, uh, popped out, and you know, ended up uh, killing O'Reilly. So no more Robert Patrick in this movie. You know, I don't, I don't even think I'm trying to remember if we see him lying dead on the ground. I don't think so. I have a feeling that that we don't even get another shot of of even what his body looks like. And well, I think we get a we get a picture of his foot. We do get a picture of his his, his foot. foot. Okay, when, his uh, foot. There you go. When, when McLean when McLean lands, he lands right next to him. Okay, that's, all right, that's it. And 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 it's probably a stand-in, you know, because because yesterday we were talking yeah. about how you know the day before, the, this was the day before Robert Patrick became famous, and now that he's famous, he has a stand-in, you know, <laughs> to, to play his shoe. Yeah, yeah. This is a yeah. This is a series wrap for Robert Patrick. <laughs> Wave goodbye. That's right. Um, yeah. I I have my 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 first question coming out of this is. How far a drop is that for John McClane? Oh, that is a very far drop. There's no way that someone can jump the way that he jumps and land on his feet so easily the way that he does it. I mean, maybe a gymnast yeah. can, but I don't know if, you know, I, I, I yeah. don't know if John, you know, was trying out for the Olympics or, or something like that. Not really sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, his his knees must be in his hips right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He lands heels first on a concrete floor with a, what looked like hard rubber soles. That's correct. Um, you know, so it's just grim. But we do, I, we we do get. I mean, that in those opening couple of frames, we finally get a, a this this thing that we were talking about uh, yesterday. The, the uh, mural, that large, the mural, that big like WPA styled mural that doesn't seem to go with any of the architecture uh, here, and it's it's got like twin office buildings and what looks like some guy in the middle of the air repairing a wing that's in flight that's what it, it, it I, could I be just, yeah I, and and then it looks like there's a wheel on the side there also with uh either, either yeah, smoke it's, it's, like it's either wheel. it's a wheel with smoke or it's a wheel with clouds you know it, it, it's yeah i think there's clouds in the background and the, the guy's putting together a, an airplane that's falling apart in midair <laughs> yeah so which which may be foreshadowing but it. that that also makes oh. sense because john is jumping in midair at the time that we see this so you know that plane is yes, there to help yes. John. Uh, yeah, it's it's, yeah, I, uh, it's it's a little little strange, and I mean, 
on the one hand, it does look like clouds, but there's all this red. So, you know, not, not to be, yeah. you know, morose, but it, it looks something like, you know, that they're foretelling 9-11 because they have these two buildings and there's, you know, all the smoke and there's this red haze around it. I don't know. I mean, obviously they're not, but, um, yeah. you know, that's the way it looks. It doesn't, uh, you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's, um, I, w- I was hoping, I was hoping to find something online. But unfortunately, if you type in mural for Die Hard 2, the only thing you see is that famous glass painting of the, well, that for the last minute of this yeah. movie, the final <laughs> minute of the movie. Um, uh, yeah, it, I was, you know, it's uh, it's frustrating. Somewhere, somebody must have that on on their wall at home. You know, they brought it home for their kids. That you're not going to be using. And they're anymore, listening right? to this Let's podcast, going, "No, that's that. not what it is. <laughs> it's something else. It's something else." It's, you know, it's a, it's one of the giant walkers from uh, Empire Strikes Back right. or something. Some other salute exactly. to a, salute to another another. It sequel. could be. It's very possible. Um, and there's there's a lot of shooting. John shoots before he jumps, and Sheldon fires back, and and then you know John shoots close to Sheldon, and Sheldon ends up rolling for cover, and that actually gives John the opportunity to to jump down. You know, he, and he he lands as we said, and as he lands, he screams at Barnes, "Stay down!" And Barnes then stands up and runs to the other side. So I don't really know, you know, how that really, uh, you know, he, he basically, you know, is trying to find safety and, and cover. And, uh, you know, he once again grabs his piece of luggage, you know, his, that, that, that he can store, yeah. you know, neatly under the, the seat in front of him or in the overhead compartment or something like that. And he's and it and it's not it doesn't have a cloth exterior, so you don't have to worry about all the blood stains that you yes. wash off. You can, and and his hand is also very bloody, at you know, which yeah. you know is is you'd think that it would be hurting for him to actually lift up the you know the case with with his with that hand. You know, we should have used the other hand for it. Yeah. I don't know. And. And then oh. Sheldon finally realizes he's supposed to be shooting to the ground, so he keeps rolling back and forth on the scaffold, and shoots yeah. to the ground, uh, trying to trying to get John. And yeah, well, that half inch that half inch plywood provides adequate protection for him. From well, it's because well, I mean yeah. we'll get to it a little bit later in this minute, but but there because there's a few layers, that's what actually is saving him. Yeah, you know that that actually we were talking yesterday about plausibility. You know about about if you're standing behind the slinkies, but here I can I can sort of understand that 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 it is possible that that uh, you know the bullet has to go through so many pieces of wood to get to him that okay maybe maybe he is uh, you know somewhat safe there, and then you know John not only is he you know able to do gymnastics of of jumping down uh, let's say it's ten feet. Something like that. Besides that, he now does yeah. a quick, uh, you know, flip and roll uh, on the ground with all these sparks flying, and then shoots up at Sheldon. Yes. And Sheldon, you know, jumps back, and then we, we get a shot of uh, Mulkey, who is still, uh, you know, hiding on the side near near what will eventually be uh, payphones, you know. Payphones. Yes, there's a that's something that you'll have to like in future in future commentaries for this. You'll have to explain to the audience what a payphone. I, I have is. a feeling that many people don't. You know, at this point, I, I you know, my my kids probably do not know what a payphone is. You know, 
Yeah, uh, my uh, uh, my cousin has a has a son who uh, he gets his picture taken next to payphones because he thinks it's just hilarious that you you still see some out there and he did, he doesn't know how to use them but he's <laughs> like it's like it's like standing next to you know a, a stagecoach or something. It's like let's leave this is amazing. Oh wow, <laughs> I, I I saw something years ago on uh, on YouTube about uh, a parents who installed a rotary phone in their in their home and they told their sons you know their two teenage sons to make a phone call and they they gave them they gave oh, them yes, a certain so, amount yes. of time maybe a minute or two minutes to see if they can figure it out of how to actually make the call you know and they and they couldn't figure out yeah. they couldn't figure it out <laughs> yeah it's uh when when my by you know rotary phones have been gone for a, a surprisingly long time my my, uh, we used to have, uh, when I lived in Virginia, we had a, uh, an old extension phone in our basement and it was a rotary phone. It just had it, you know, had an extra one, plug it in downstairs. And, um, my son, he was about I don't know, 12 or so had a friend over and, uh, my son asked if his friend could stay for dinner. I said, yeah, just have him, have him call his mom, let him know that, you know, he can stay for dinner. And so use the phone downstairs. So the kid went down to uh, basement or rec room and looked at the phone and came back up and said, I, I don't know how to use that. So <laughs> my son had to instruct him in the care and feeding of a rotary. Okay. Hey, why not? Um, you need to learn at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, one of those forgotten technologies that uh, eventually um, <laughs> I keep waiting for the fax machine to go away, but they seem to, for some reason, there's always some kind of a business that wants you to. Yeah. I don't, I don't like really that. know about that. I mean, my office, we did renovations a year ago and when, when they, when they did the renovations, they forgot to tell the architect that that we have a fax machine. And when they so they redid all the wiring and stuff like that. And then when it was done, so we wanted to plug the fax machine in and there was no plug for it, you know, because because they changed oh, wow. all the phone lines, you know, to, to work over over the Internet. And the fax machine just just wouldn't work. Yeah. So, you know, we had to then go and change, you know, all of our business cards and everything like that and take out the the fact that you can send the facts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to send it to a That's service right. or something. Oh, I was just, uh, actually this, this past week I've, uh, in, in the U S they've eliminated the copper, the copper landline system is gone. Now they've, they've taken all that out. And like you said, they've moved to voice over IP. So you use your internet to, uh, uh to use, even if you wanted a landline phone, it would go through your, you know, you'd have an internet mm -hmm. modem and things like that. But all, all the, uh, the, the, what they call the copper system, uh, which was, you know, just straight copper lines going back to an office um, that's been decommissioned. And I had this big box on the back of my house and all these phone lines going into the house from, from this box. And it took me, gosh, uh, about an hour and a half to you know, take out, take all the staples out of the wires that were going along the side <laughs> of my house and uh, unscre unscrewing the box and following the ground line that, you know, they could ground the electric system and then cutting it back up to the uh, what they call the weatherhead, where it goes back to the where it goes back to the telephone pole, which I guess is no right. longer a telephone pole. <laughs> um, but it was just you know it was like holy smokes! I didn't realize how much of this infrastructure I had to had to remove that was still a, attached to my house and hasn't oh, been wow. used for years. Um, but uh, yes. yeah, the world changes, and it, it's 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 one of those things that you don't know the last time you know when's the last time you used the payphone or when's the last time you took a took a right. film picture or a, you know it's it's uh right that's true odd <laughs> uh, but 
And you think you think you know with all the changes that go on, you think we get used to it after a while. But it doesn't it doesn't come up until you see movies like this, like things that could have been solved with a cell phone or things that could have been solved uh, if they had just called ahead or say, you know or used a computer right. to look something up. Um, but it it was, and you know this movie was made in our lifetime, so it's kind of just odd thinking this is how much the world has changed within you know That's the right. span of That's a few true. decades. Because this is also pre you know cell phones nobody was using cell phones at the time and this whole movie would be yeah. so different if they had cell phones yeah and yet there was an air you know they brought in the air phone they had air phones they had air phones but as as Rennie harlan mentions on the commentary they didn't realize at the time that you couldn't call an air phone yeah. you can call from it an air phone but you can't call to an air phone so you know i don't know how that really would have worked we, we talked about this weeks ago i don't know how it would have really worked if if you were beeping somebody from from an air phone I, like today if you were to call someone from an air phone and and want to beat them or or whatever what would it what, what do you think it would be written on the caller id yeah you know would it have a number that you can call 000, back yeah no I, I think it would just say you know <laughs> zero 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 unknown but uh, or you know trying to find a trying to find a plane that still has an air phone is it's kind of a rarity right um that's true and with you know things like starlink and t-mobile uh you can you can dial from from your plane using your cell phone it's just on a right. different world um, yes, completely. The uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's just a, it, we're gonna we're gonna talk about another another air airport airplane kind of movie uh, later this week uh, where an air phone plays a major role in uh, in resolving one of the story problems. But we'll we'll save that for later. Tune in. We'll stay, get there. Stay we'll tuned get this week. Yes. Stay tuned. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Things to come. So. So Mulkey is is standing there and he he's very frustrated and starts he he just starts shooting towards John and then John th- starts rolling uh, on the ground uh, he actually closes his eyes as he's rolling and just shoots in in Mulkey's direction and you know Mulkey is a terrible shot because you know <laughs> John is a very big target and he constantly misses but there's a lot of sparks yeah. flying yeah you know. And and then his gun jams on him. Uh, All right. Uh, yeah, that's a big problem. And and then you know Sheldon starts uh, shooting again from from above, and John then changes and starts shooting towards Sheldon, scaring Sheldon backwards. And then John ends up getting underneath the scaffolding. So what what do you know about scaffolding? You know, do you know anything about like the history of the the idea of using scaffolding for for building and stuff like that like how far back do you think, think scaffolds go i would think you know uh the early civilizations any place where you're putting one brick on top of another i would think you know the days of the pharaohs would be uh, a good starting place the aztecs probably knew about scaffolding um with bamboo being a uh, uh, you know an, an easy commodity in asia i would think that uh, they've known they've known about scaffolding for thousands of years. So that's that's yes. my that's my guess. And, I, and you sure are you, correct. Sure you you yeah. you are one hundred percent correct on that. The, they they have uh, you know back in ancient Greece they used scaffolding. The Egyptians used it. Uh, the the Chinese were able to build uh, a lot of their structures with with uh, some sort some form of scaffolding. Most of the scaffolding in, in the early civilizations used uh, wood and ropes and things like that. Uh, do, do you know another name for for scaffolding? Hmm, another name for scaffolding. 
No. Okay, staging. Oh, okay. Hmm. Called staging, right? Yeah. Obviously, if you, if you don't do it properly, uh, there's a lot of potential for death or serious injury. And the whole idea is you need to make sure that, that you shore things properly. They use it to, to, to make uh, like grandstands and they use it for different like concert stages and different types of towers and exhibition stands and ski ramps. And, you know, you find them sometimes in different art projects and things like that. But I mean, you mentioned something very interesting that, that, that I was about to get up to is that in Asia, they use bamboo. Did, yes. did you actually, know? I must, I must point out they use, they use bamboo in, well, they have used bamboo in the U.S. And I, I can say this from a personal memory. My dad worked on the New York World's Fair, the 1964-65 World's Fair. He worked on the, the fountains that surround the, uh, the iconic uh, scul uh, sculpture artwork of at the Unisphere. He worked on the, the fountains that surrounded the Unisphere. Uh, when they were building it, I was very young at the time. Um, when they were building it, there were other pavilions being built around this Unisphere. And we'd visit the work site while they were constructing it. The Japanese pavilion uh, was built by Japanese artisans using bamboo scaffolding. And my dad oh, wow. was amazed, amazed by the whole thing because they actually had, they, you know, instead of using aluminum or whatever at the time, the most common thing was you'd build a frame with, a, there were steel frames that you'd screw together or bolt together and then put wood planks. But the, um, the Japanese pavilion was built using bamboo scaffolding around it. And they put, they actually make, they put bamboo across to form the planks of the scaffold and it's just right. a, an early memory of mine. Do, I'm, do, I'm sorry, do, you know, do you know, no, that's fine. Do you know, do you know how high that was? The, you know, the Japanese pavilion? I'll tell you, I'll tell you why was, I'm asking in a second. Okay. I would, th I would think it was about, about 30 feet high. No, like how many you, stories? Sorry. How many stories oh, up do you think it was? Um, gosh, I, it had it had that pagoda style, but it wasn't. They like it were stories, but they were very short. It was kind of a a tower. Um, uh -huh. No, the reason the reason I'm asking is because what I what I found here is this is that that uh, the one drawback of using bamboo scaffolding is, is that they couldn't go above four stories. Yeah, I don't think it was. I don't right. think it was taller than four stories, right. but it was pretty tall. It was like about thirty feet. Yeah. So, now, did um, you did you know that the the Great Wall of China was built using bamboo scaffolding? I wouldn't doubt it. I would think that would, yeah, that'd probably be a lot easier to get stuff up. Although it's amazing trying to think about, I mean, they must have had used ropes and pulleys and things like that to get stuff on, right. on top. It's, 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 it's surprising how resilient bamboo is. Yes. That's right. Basically then John is underneath the scaffold and he's doing his best uh, to, to say, stay safe from Sheldon. And he then uh, takes a moment to actually change you know, the clip in his gun, because I guess, uh, you know, <laughs> he, he somehow ran out of bullets. I don't know how that's possible. Is it possible to run out of bullets in a movie? <laughs> I don't know. Well, you have to ask yourself, is it five or was it six? Uh, that's right. That is true. But are you feeling lucky, punk? But yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, it's it's when, when the script calls for it. That's when you have to, to change, change uh, the clip. You know, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> and so so John then changes changes his clip, and then basically shoots the entire clip in you know upwards into the metal uh, the the wooden planks, and then Sheldon 
you know, sort of jumps out of the way, even though, again, this is a few stories of wooden planks. And then he, and then he takes his machine gun, his MP5, and, you know, uh, puts his hand, puts his arm down and then shoots through one of the other layers. But, I mean, we can see the bullet holes. The question is, is which side of the bullet hole is coming from? You know, are those the bullet holes from John shooting up or are those from Sheldon shooting down? You know, they're, they're, they're both wasting a, a point, lot yeah. of yeah. bullets. <laughs> yeah. And then John somehow gets this, this, this very interesting idea and decides to start, you know, uh, trying to, to unsure the, 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 the scaffolding. And he uses his shoulder and starts banging against it in order to do something. Now, throughout this whole, you know, ordeal, so I, I mentioned at the beginning of, of, of today's episode, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, of, of, of cursing dialogue here. So Mulkey, you know, has his, his, uh, his gun jams and he screams out, and then uh, John, as he's shooting, goes, motherfucker. And then after that, you know, when John is changing his clip, he goes, come on, come on. And then he just starts screaming. You know, so it, there isn't really very much dialogue here. And then no. Mulkey, Mulkey then, uh, you know, changes the clip and, uh, you know, cocks his gun. And he finds out that it's jammed once again. Okay. Ah. Do, you, do you know anything about uh, guns jamming? Uh, I don't, don't do it. I know that I, I can't. Do don't do it. Only... It's not, it's not something that, that, that you don't yeah, jam I, it on I mean, purpose. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no. I mean, it's, it's mostly, it, it's usually in the. Usually in the order, I mean, there's there's not that many moving parts on a on a gun, but the problem is that they are very small and they have fine tolerances. And if you are moving something at the wrong point, uh, it's it would be easy to jam the uh, uh, it, it, the slide guns like uh, uh, McLean has here. Slides have more of a surface area to jam, so they're more likely uh, to jam when you're trying to when you're trying to open them up. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, my, my experience is mostly with long guns, so it's there's only the bolt that you put. Right. Okay, uh, that's true. Pulling back a bolt, there isn't much of a, there isn't much of an action that can that can stick. Wait, when um, you have a, when you when you when you have a, a with a with a bolt, it it can't uh, you can't have something that gets jammed in there if there's two bullets. Oh no that... no you, no 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 you can you no you can jam. I just I I found it's it's less likely to it's less likely to jam. But if you're using ah, okay if you're using something where where you're you know where you have a uh, if if you have mag if you have a, a a clip of bullets that are that you're pushing in under pressure you've got a spring you've got bullets push you know pushing each other under pressure so there's lots of places that there are choke points that can happen uh, in a clip uh, when you're when you're releasing when when you're releasing the, the clip from from the gun um, there's you know more things that are sliding around so I would think on a pistol you're having there's more uh, points of failure, possible points of failure, points of points of jamming, than say right. on, a, on a rifle. Okay, on a rifle, but, um, but the machine gun will, you know, is is the one where you get yeah. the most jam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. because you've got you've got air pushing, you've got air pushing things. You, you're relying on a on a pressure system that that relies on the last the last bullet fired is pushing the next bullet into the chamber. That's right. So there's there's uh, there's problems with uh, pressurization. You know, it's it's like an engine. You know, there's pressurization problems. There's a vacuum problem. There's uh, and then there's the me the mechanical issues of of springs and things that are holding holding the rest of the the clip tight. 
Right. So yeah, that's generally where where the common sources of jams are. Plus, yeah. keeping it clean, especially if you've been, you know, dropping it in a a place full of sawdust and uh, and all this all this all the dirt that's flying around this construction zone isn't helping things any. Right. Okay. I mean, I actually <laughs> I have a little bit of a story from when I was in when I was in the army. I was in the Israeli army 30, 30, 30 years ago. Right. It was in ninety three, and so during basic training, at one point, you know, they took us out into the desert, and we were we were digging foxholes, and you know, the part of the training was is we had to put on gas masks while we were in there, and then afterwards, you know, they set up a shooting range around there. So they called everyone back and they said, okay, we're going to set up a shooting range, and they set up uh, ten targets, and they sent, you know, they they put ten of us, uh, you know, they chose ten of us, myself included, and they said. Okay, run, you know, 50 meters to that direction and then come back and then you'll shoot at your target. So we all did that. We ran, we came back and eight of the 10 guns jammed. Okay, the only two wow. that the only two that worked were the ones on the on the edges. Okay, uh, like, uh, let's say slots one in 10. Right. And obviously, our commanders got very upset of us, you know, we all had too much sand in our guns. And that's why, you know, that that's why it happened. And stuff like that and then someone said hey where's joe and uh, someone says as a joke oh, he probably fell asleep in his foxhole um so we all started looking for him and we actually found the guy he had fallen asleep in his foxhole and where was his foxhole wow. out, out in the range i would assume that his his foxhole was oh, right dear. behind where two through nine were and wow. you know i still believe to this day you know that that uh, you know if if our guns hadn't jammed, he either would have heard the the gunshots and stood up, and then gotten shot, you know, or you know who knows what else could have happened. Um, well, the good the good the good news is the foxhole did its job. That's <laughs> right. Him from the, well, it's so. because he he fell asleep. He he fell asleep in his foxhole. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, but but you know the idea that that uh, you know, so I, I I have a little bit of experience of. You know, if your gun is is filled with sand, there's a chance it's not going to yeah. work. But in movies, you know, th that never happens. You know, again, only yeah. when it's written in the script where where it needs to to happen is your gun going to jam. Yeah. You know, in movies, people yeah. people can they'll swim with their gun, and the, the doesn't matter where they are, the guns will still fire. <laughs> doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, they're coming up out of the water, shooting away. Yeah, that's right. Like I, I think Rambo does that, right? Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So yes, yeah, if, you, um, if you're going to shoot a gun and you don't want to get jammed, make sure at least that it's clean. That that'll you know keep things as safe as possible. Um, obviously, there are other reasons that you can get a jam. Sometimes you know it could be that that uh, you know the, the when you put the bullets in the magazine, one of them was was uh, you know slightly not in the right place, or sometimes it, it two of them are too close together and. Things like that. So I, I can understand why Mulkey is is pretty upset at this point that his his gun keeps jamming. You know. Yeah, it's it's very very frustrating to you know. <laughs> this is supposed to work now. I need this at this moment. I do. You know. Um, I don't know if I I think I mentioned this on a on a previous show. I used to work for British Aerospace, and one of our companies was uh, Heckler and Coke, mm -hmm. and um, they were you know they're they're the ones that make the MP5 and yes. things like that. Mm -hmm. and, the, uh, their chief armorer used to be he was he retired out of the uh, U.S. Marine Corps. Uh, he was he was the chief armorer for the Marines, and one of the things that they had in their their main conference room at their at their office, uh, they have a wall and there's there's 
pictures of this on the internet. I'm sure there's pictures of it on the internet. Their main conference room had every piece of armament that um, uh, that H&K sold. And they were just hanging on the walls. And when you went to a meeting with uh, with this guy, his name was Gary, uh, Gary uh, would take down one of the, you know, all the different firearms. He'd take down an MP5 or something like that. Aggressive negotiations? Yeah, yeah, kind of. He, <laughs> well, he'd take it down off the wall, and he'd just start taking it apart. He'd dismantle it. And uh, he had he had like a toolkit that he un- unfolded and would cl- he'd clean the gun and then put it back up on the wall. And uh, they all had their firing pins removed so that they couldn't be like stolen or something. I guess you could find a firing pin. <laughs> they weren't, you know, it was it wasn't something like you were going to take down an, a, a loaded loaded weapon on the ground. But it's just uh, my my boss said, Gary, why do you keep doing that? He goes, I like to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every time he'd have a discussion, he'd be sitting there like like the way some people would be like whittling wood or something like that. He'd be disassembling and reassembling all these different uh, firearms that were just hanging on the wall. Um, Very nice. It was one of the one of the more unusual meetings keeps, I've ever keeps him busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just give, give him something his hands to do. And I guess you know he didn't smoke, so I guess that was just something to do. Just... Yeah, it's it's less dangerous, I guess you can say, than than smoking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Especially if the if the firing pins have been taken out. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Right. Ah. All right. <laughs> so John starts like banging against the. Uh, he continues to bang, bang against the scaffold, and is able to finally, uh, you know, move it. You know, not only is yeah. is John an expert gymnast, but he's also, you know, uh, what, what's it called? The uh, not the Iron Man competition. What, what's the the competitions where people like pull cars? Oh, the tr- you know the truck. Yeah, um, there's there's a name yeah, for that. It, yeah, it's not it's not the triathlon. It's um, yeah, I forgot I've forgotten it. But yeah, there's things like where they're pulling locomotives and stuff That's like right. that. Exactly. Um, so so you know, John yeah, McLean John McLean is is going to be there, you know, in the in the future. You know, yeah. And obviously they're not they're not following OSHA regulations because usually on a on a scaffolding, if you're if you're setting up a scaffolding that tall, you also secure it from the top. You're not you don't have to worry about it tipping over because you're you're securing it somehow to the wall or to the ceiling. It's not just loose. I mean, maybe there's some reason why. Maybe it, maybe it was currently being disassembled or something like that. Well, again, we can't blame Sheldon for this because you know it was yeah. the real painters <laughs> were the ones. Who, yeah, yeah. Who who didn't do this properly? Of, yeah, they were in the, in the middle of securing it when when he showed up and took their uh, took their painters' clothes. Yeah. Well, no, that, um, that they they got them uh, when when they before they got to the to the site. So, you know. So yeah. yeah, John is able to tumble it over, and Sheldon loses his balance, and we see that he falls and lands flat on his back. You know, and like yeah. as he falls on the ground, there's like a a a, a, a uh, you know a whole bunch of dust that fall that that flies up. <laughs> yes, a a pillar pillar of dust. Yeah, he didn't learn he didn't learn how to he didn't learn how to land on like his John like that's uh, right. McClane and did. and for some reason he lost his gun on the way down. You know, as as he was falling, we saw that, that he was still holding onto his gun. But when he hits the ground, and he was also falling face first, but he lands on his back. So you know, I guess you have to give him credit for for doing, you know, some sort of flip along the way. Yeah, yeah. The poor poor gun safety protocol and poor scaffold yes. safety protocol. <laughs> that's right. All right, and that, that's how this minute ends. Yeah, yeah. It's, 
uh, very action filled, and like you said, apart from the swearing, it's not not a lot right. not a lot of dialogue, but yeah. just an awful lot of. Oh yeah, I, I see. I missed happening. I missed part of the dialogue. So when John is grunting and pushing it, he goes son of a bitch. You know, of course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> what else? What else? What else could he say? You know. Yeah, golly, this is difficult. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but is he is he talking about the scaffold, or is he talking about Sheldon who's shooting at him? I don't know. Yeah, it could be either. Yeah. Yeah, obviously he's not having a good day. Uh, no, John. John never has a good day until until the end. No, until the end of the day. Yeah. The end of the day, he can look back and say, "Hey, you know, I I racked up X number of kills." You know, so there there you go. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right. So the script uh, again, it's it's very short. It's maybe maybe a half a page. So it says uh, McLean rolls fires at O'Reilly across the gallery, which again, it's not O'Reilly. As we mentioned yesterday, it's it's they switched the names of Mulkey and O'Reilly in the movie itself. So O'Reilly in the script, uh, Robert Patrick is still alive. Uh, so he fires at O'Reilly across the gallery, who takes cover. Then bullets hit all around McLean. He sees Sheldon above him on the scaffold, firing down at him. McLean fires upwards, and then veering, he runs under the scaffolding. Bullets ping off the metal between him, as uh, between them as O'Reilly tries to nail him from ground level. Meanwhile, Sheldon tries to shoot down and under. McLean deliberately smashes into the crossbars he passes, one after the other, the smack of his body into them sounding like linebackers in combat. Sheldon aims, but then the half of the scaffolding beneath him gives way. He falls, screaming, lands with a crunch. Besides Barnes. Mm, so that, so that's changed slightly yes. then because he's, he's saying that it gives way, but... Yeah, no, so what? No, because what they're well, saying here is is that John runs around and and breaks the 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 pillars, and that's why the whole scaffolding ah. basically you know collapses on itself, as opposed to what he does here, you know, where he pushes it. I, I'm trying to think of which one is yeah. more plausible because neither of them is very plausible. So. <laughs> yeah, I think I I, I think that uh, yeah. In any case, I think it's McLean is more accidental than it, it, it when when in doubt most of the things that happen isn't due to his skill but it's more like it accidentally worked. that's right so that's true all right what can you what can you do that's that's why it's fun watching mclean yeah yeah <laughs> all right so every tuesday we have a segment called disaster tuesday which this is somewhat uh, a segment that's in hom- homage to uh what the midnight boys did on uh, the titanic minute where every week they would talk about some sort of uh you know boating disaster so i talk about some sort of plane disaster that has happened you know over the years now what i decided to do was is you know based on where my guest is from i try and find some sort of uh famous accident that happened uh somewhat close to where they are geographically when when i can i can't always but uh for for you i think i did so how far is dekalb texas from you do you know where that is? Cal. Uh, no. Sure. I'm not sure. I mean, it may, I, I it's, it's probably something, yeah, I go through that every day, but I didn't realize it's the name of the town. Um, I mean, because basically the, it, the, the plane was on its way to Lovefield. So, you know, which is in Dallas. So I know you're, that's where you are. So. Yeah. Oh, it's, I, I'm just, just in looking at where, where uh, DeKalb is, uh, I have, uh, I, I, I know where, I know where it is. Um, it's east. It's east Texas. It's over toward. Uh, it's almost to the tech, to the border of, of Texarkana. 
Um, but yeah, I know, I know where to, I don't know where to count. Mm, okay. Yeah. Have, are you familiar with, with anyone who, who, who died in a plane crash there on December 31st, 1985? I would go with, wait, December 31st, 1985. That would be uh, Ricky Nelson, right? Yes, it would be. That yeah. Would I, be. I remember, I remember them reporting that on the, we have a lot of crashes in East Texas and in, in the surrounding environs where, where, where it, uh, crosses over with, uh, famous singers uh ricky nelson died there in east texas um and just a little bit east of that in uh, nacogdoches louisiana that's where the uh plane crash that killed uh, jim croce was so it's all in that yeah stay out of east texas because it's not good to uh it's not good for entertainers yeah. um <laughs> but yeah quite a yeah i remember that was do, the, do you know anything do you remember anything about the the, the incident about what happened it, it was a christmas it was a new year's eve flight and uh, he was flying with someone else. Uh, was it his manager? No, there were there were there were six other people in the in in on the plane with him, along with okay. uh, several band members, his girlfriend. Yeah, um, I, I, plus plus the two pilots. So basically, Ricky Nelson uh, didn't like to fly, but on the other hand, he refused to travel by bus. So. Uh, in May of 1985, so seven months before this, this disaster, he decided that that uh, you know he needed a private plane, and he spent $118,000 on a 14-seat 1944 Douglas DC-3 wow. uh, that 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 used to belong to uh, at one point the Dupont family, and also uh, Jerry Lee Lewis uh, owned the plane. Uh, but after Nelson took over ownership, uh, he had a lot of mechanical problems uh, on the plane. Uh, at one point, the, the entire band had to push the plane off the runway after one of the engines failed. Uh, in September of 1985, they had a malfunctioning ignition magneto, which prevented the plane from flying. And therefore, uh, Ricky Nelson missed performing in the very first uh, farm, aid, farm Aid concert in uh, Champaign, Illinois. So on December 26, 1985, they they flew off for a uh, three-stop tour of the southern U.S. They were going to have shows in Orlando and Guntersville, Alabama. And then they were going from there to perform on New Year's Eve in Dallas. So at uh, 5, 5.14 uh, p.m. CST, Central Standard Time, uh, the plane crash landed outside DeKalb, Texas, which is northeast of Dallas, in a cow pasture that's uh, about two miles from uh, a landing strip that they were trying to reach. They hit a bunch of trees on the way down, and all of the passengers died. There were seven passengers, but the two pilots were actually able to, um, to, to survive. Okay, one of the people wow. that was killed along with him was Andy Chapin who was uh, part of, uh, he was also with the band uh, Steppenwolf. Right, so Ricky Nelson was 45. His fiance Helen Blair, was 28. Uh, the sound technician, uh, uh, Donald Clark Russell, was 35. The Stone Canyon Band, which was his uh, his his band, Andy Chapin, uh, Rick Intvelt, and Bobby, Bobby Neal, uh, Bobby Neal and Patrick Woodward. Those were the, the four band members that were killed. And then the, the two pilots survived. Wow. So they they tried figuring out what happened. And the only thing they could find out was is that there was a fire on board. And basically, 
the both the pilot and the co-pilot had different stories of what happened. It had something to do with a heater on the plane or something like that 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 caught caught fire, and they said that when they they found all the bodies, they were all trying to get out uh, into the cockpit area, but apparently the door was locked or something like that. Uh, you know, very wow. tragic the whole thing. Um, yeah. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> afterwards they they sent Nelson's remains to the wrong place. Afterwards, so you know they they it. He they had to delay the the funeral by a few days because it 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 didn't reach California like it was supposed to, and oh, yeah, dear. on January sixth they had the the funeral services for him, uh, and some of the people who showed up there were you know Colonel Tom Parker, Connie Stevens, Angie Dickinson, and dozens of actors, writers, and musicians that had worked with him over the course of uh, of of his yeah, career. Ozzy and Harriet days, I would think. Yeah. yeah. Um, His ex-wife, Kristen Nelson, uh, was trying to sue his family uh, because she wanted part of the life insurance money. Um, And apparently David Nelson, was his brother, was the administrator and wouldn't give her anything. She ended up taking them to court, and the uh, Superior Court judge denied uh, her anything. And basically, according to you know his will, the entire state went to his children, and nothing went to her. And uh, you know, apparently, there there was uh, there were rumors that that one of the things that 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 caused the 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 accident was uh, cocaine freebasing, you know, on the plane. But they they claimed that oh. that didn't the, the the reports afterwards were that those were just rumors, and that that that, that really didn't happen. Uh, so, yeah, wow. it's one of those yeah rock and roll death stories. It's just they it's it's terrible that it's almost become a yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I have um, a lot of those this season. Uh, some of them are even crazier than yeah. you would think. You know, there's 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 some there's there's an air there's someone who died in an airplane that hit a bus, but we'll we'll get there in a few weeks. You know. Just to, to keep people yeah. to want to keep coming back on Tuesdays to hear these uh, these stories. I mean, again, I know it's it's not a, a you know it's it's a little bit uh, morose to be talking about it, but you know that it it's it's connected to this movie. I mean, we'll we'll be talking about it in a few weeks uh, about a plane crash. So yeah, I yeah my my uh, I, I know this is this goes this goes against your uh, your template, but I my my crash story for uh, DFW was uh, in it, also in 1985. The um, uh, Delta Airlines had a flight, flight 191, uh, that was flying into a DFW airport from the north, and there were uh, squalls coming up. There was a rather large thunderstorm coming through uh, the DFW airport, and they they kept the they kept the runways open. They were they had a bunch of planes coming in to land because they had been rerouted around other thunderstorms. And a Delta plane came in and was hit with a, what they call a microburst, a down downdraft, and this was a, a large-bodied uh, Lockheed L-1011 that uh, it was thrown down onto uh, Route 114, just north of DFW Airport, bounced off the highway, and then crashed into uh, a bunch of water tanks that are just inside the DFW property. Um, just about everybody was killed on the plane. 
for the smoking section, the, the very back of the plane, the people who were in the smoking section. All wow. Back, it was like the last three rows. Wow. Um, and uh, I was I was going home from I, I was working in Dallas and living near Fort Worth. And I was actually commuting home and drove through that storm. And uh, the storm was terrific. It was one of the worst thunderstorms I've ever been in. Um, but I didn't know about the crash until I got home. And my wife said to me, we were worried about you because this is all going on. And I, I was like, I was just there about, you know, maybe five minutes before the plane crashed on, on that Route 114. So just rather a scary, scary time. Yeah. But uh, the, yeah, but I mean, it, you know, a terrible loss of life. But the positive thing was they put in new uh, Doppler radar at DFW Airport. We are kind of at the end of Tornado Alley right. here. So they have a lot better equipment that can produce that can predict micro wow. bursts and things like that. But uh, yeah, just that's, okay. that's, right. that's, that's my disaster that's story for, for you. Nope. Just no an problem. extra tip. Right. Jim, you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you? <laughs> yes. In, in happier news, uh, you can find any of my podcasts. There's about, I don't know, almost almost a dozen things that I've either hosted or produced. Uh, you can find them out real easy to find. JimOkane.com. J-I-M-O-K-A-N-E.com. You can find all the, all the different podcasts where I just talk too much about movies that I like. So okay. Out there. And you can find all all of the movies that I like, you know, just by doing a research for Movie on Minute, and you can, you know, see all all four and a half seasons that I've done so far. It's easy to find. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You'll find me on Facebook. You'll find me on Twitter, and you'll find me on my website, MovieRobMinute.com. So until tomorrow, yippee ki yay! If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little villages, it